Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Come on. Let's get celebrating a little bit. How many of you feel like it's not feeling like Christmas this year yet? A few of you are feeling that way. We've got to turn this thing around. That 64-degree day this last week with the, that was a little bit muggy, it kind of threw me off a little bit. So i got a question for you today, kicking off this message about joy to the world. Got a question for you. If he's a savior for all people, what does that really mean? What does it really mean? Got another question for you. Does anyone know who Carl Gustav is? Does anyone in this room know who Carl Gustav is? Nobody in this room knows who Carl Gustav is? Is there anyone online right now in a 180 home or wherever you are in this world who knows what Carl Gustav is? If there's no one who knows who Carl Gustav is, I am heartbroken. This is horrible. This is stunning. We've got Harvard grads here. I think that's a mail-order Harvard degree. Carl Gustav is the king of Sweden. You know why you don't know about Carl Gustav? Because he's the king of Sweden, and quite candidly, although all four of my grandparents came from Sweden, I had to look up who was the king of Sweden. <laughs> I'm messing with you. But Carl Gustav's the king of Sweden. He came to power in 1973, and he married a woman named Sylvia, who's from, get this now, she has German and Brazilian heritage. Now, here's what's interesting about Carl Gustav. His big interest in life has been scouting. And he used to, before there was a lot of crises with the Boy Scouts of America, went around the world and spoke at these big jamborees. That was his big deal. Carl Gustav loved scouting. But when you look at Carl Gustav, you gotta, you gotta realize this guy has almost no power and very little influence over the world. A lot of kings are like that. But along came a king named Jesus. And the question I have for you this morning, and we're gonna wrestle with this just for a few minutes, very brief message today, so I want you to stay with me the whole way through. How in the world do we know that Jesus was for all people? I want you to think about that for a moment. How do we know? I mean, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing for Linus telling Charlie Brown this is what Christmas is all about. But understanding that Jesus was for all people is best discovered in the Word of God. But here's the problem. When we read these a lot of stories, and a lot of us read a lot of different passages around the scriptures, it just kind of washes over us like, yeah, well, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all this stuff kind of, no, 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 we got to reclaim something this morning. I want to tell you about the first seven verses of Luke 2, and then we'll take a deeper dive on some verses that follow here for just a few minutes. But in Luke 2, we find this incredible story where Jesus, in the womb of Mary and with Joseph, goes from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And they traveled there because there was a census being taken. Now why in the world did a government take a census? They want to know who's who and where they are, but more than anything else, like every government that wants to count heads, they really want your money. The bottom line is that they wanted their money. 
And so they traveled to get registered in Bethlehem because they're from the house of David and that's where they needed to be. And they traveled there and they looked for a place to stay. Now let's be very clear. Let me debunk some myths. A lot of times the innkeeper gets a bad rap. The innkeeper stood there in the children's play that you've ever seen. The innkeeper stood there and said, we have no room in the inn away from here. Here's the truth. A census was being taken. People were migrating all over the place. You know how long the walk was from Nazareth to Bethlehem? About 90 miles. 70 miles as the crow flies, about 90 miles. That's a long walk. And when they got there, they didn't have the ability to go on Priceline.com and get a place in Bethlehem and make sure it was secured, get their deposit down. They walked into the town and they were looking for a place to stay. Here's what you need to know. I believe there were a ton of people that couldn't find a place to stay that night. Jesus was just among them. It's really important because Jesus is for all people by virtue of the fact no celebrity, no security, and no privilege at all. I want you to think about this. Why would the king of the world, why would the savior of the world and the king that would be above all kings, why in the world would he come to this earth and not have some kind of an entourage? I see kings. I even looked up Carl Gustav. Gustav has an entourage behind him. Jesus didn't. Jesus came into Bethlehem, had no place to stay, and he joined everyone else that didn't have a place to stay. And I'm sure that there were multiple families that were lined up just kind of around the countryside. No celebrity, no security, no privilege. And here's what's amazing about the first insight to how we know Jesus is for all people. He didn't come for any direct and distinct people group but to all people because there was no way to distinguish him from the crowd if he would have had an entourage they would have known that's him right there and how do we know he didn't have an entourage how do we know he didn't have celebrity how do we know he didn't have people kind of going oh jesus is being born over there i'll tell you how we know if you go to matthew's account you find you find caesar sending out an edict to kill every baby in Jerusalem, every baby boy two years and under. Hold it. Stay with me here. Don't let this one wash over you. The reason that he wanted to kill every baby two years and younger, and imagine what that sounded like, the wailing of the mamas. Are you kidding me? I remember when our son was just a little tyke. Somebody comes in and says, we're taking your son away and we got to kill him. The wailing in Bethlehem must have been huge. And by the way, some of you are wondering, well, how many? And some people have said thousands. No, it wasn't thousands. It was probably 20 to 40 boys were murdered in one day. Small town, Bethlehem. Super small. But sick nonetheless. 20 little boys murdered. Why? You ready for this? He couldn't distinguish who the Savior was out of 20 boys. Totally indistinguishable. No one knew who Jesus was. How in the world do we know that Jesus was for all people? Here's another text that we have. Put it up on the screen. Luke 2, 18 through 14. 
Watch this now. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. I have Linus's voice going through my head right now. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, watch this now, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those in whom he is pleased. What an amazing passage. I want to give you a warning that has nothing directly to do with these verses that I just read. We often become what and how Christians. I'm going to explain this to you right now. If you're a what and how Christian, you are missing the mark and you will never understand what this season is all about. A what and how Christian is someone who says, what do we do and how do we do it? And the question is, what do we, what do we act like and, and, and how do we do this? What, what do we do? Oh, we go to church and how do we go to church? It's the what and how Christians. I'm going to tell you right now, the only way to live a believable life is to be a what and how Christian after you've already understood the why. Why? Why are we here? Why are we here? Why are we not on prayer rugs several times a day? Why are we not offering sacrifices to a, a myriad of gods for which we run afraid from and we just, just offer up blood sacrifices? Why? What, what makes this so different? Aren't we just what and how people? We go to church, we go to a religious service, and this is how we do it now. This is how we do it now. Guys, I want to tell you something. I've been praying that the Holy Spirit would work right now in this room, so I'm wanting everyone to be super still because I want to break this down for you. Here's the question on the screen. Why is Savior the one word that is good news of great joy for all people. That's what you have to ask. I'm telling you, listen to me. You've got to ask yourself, why is Savior, because that's the only descriptor linked to, I bring you good news of great joy, a Savior will be born unto you. Why is that good news of great joy? And you've got to ask yourself why. But here's the problem. We don't have a clue what the word Savior means. I think we know it means he's come to help us and he's come to maybe save us, but there is so much more to it than that. I have only got one way to illustrate this for you. Got a call one day, a dreaded call from my wife. Dreaded call, dreaded call. When my wife and daughter go to a pet store that has a rescue clinic for cats in it, it's dangerous every time. 
I was recently with my wife in a pet store, and I walked in, and I saw, uh uh-oh, this is right in our little town, I saw, uh uh-oh, right over there up to the right, they've got a brand new section, a bunch of cubes and a bunch of rescue cats are sitting in there, and I'm like, woo, baby, come on over here, look at this stuff. Chances of getting one is slim, but man, I mean, her heart gets tugged at big time. And I got that call one day, just a couple of years ago. She said, and I'm going to quote, Bub, if we don't get this cat, he's going to die. I'm like, oh, babe, we, we got a cat. I love our cat. Our cat's great. I said things to her like, our cat will hate that cat. Have you ever seen a good cat fight, babe? It's brutal. She goes, bub. She turns that bub word on me. I'm telling you, it gets me every time. Bub, I promise you, this cat's going to die if we don't grab it. Inside, I thought, what in the world are we going to do? Can't let the crazy cat die. We brought him home. That cat got home. He's the funniest guy in the world. He's one of these Norwegian kind of tree cats, and he climbs up in a tree. You ever heard about these cats before? Oh, they're awesome. They're beautiful. And he had, but he he didn't have hair all over because he was hurting really bad, but he had Gandalf hair out the middle of his pads. I mean, inch and a half, two inches of hair. It was hilarious because he sat there in the kitchen kind of dining room area that first day he came home and I don't know what he was doing but he'd just look at us he'd hold up a pad and just kind of do this number in the air and he'd just kind of wave it around and then he'd lean on that foot and he'd hold up the other one and wave it around I'm like what is this cat doing and I was absolutely convinced we had taken on this cat but this is going to be a sacrifice because the litter box is upstairs But this cat really was in trouble. My wife was right. He had been hit by a car in Hazard, Kentucky so hard. He had a fractured front right leg. His jaw had been hit so hard by this car. All of his right teeth were knocked out. And his jaw was so funky that when he'd get under the least little bit of stress, his whole jaw, bottom jaw, was just kinked off to one side. And kind of open it all funky-like. I'm like, this is horrible. So he couldn't walk on this fourth leg, and he was bound to one floor. So I'm like, oh, great. Now we got a kitty litter box upstairs, and I'm going to have to have a kitty litter box down here. I'm going to have two poop. There are going to be more poop places than we almost got bathrooms in our home. I was so frustrated with this guy. He started working his way into my heart. Man, oh, man, it was awesome to watch him come around. He was so not how God designed him to be. Hear me now. He was so not what God designed him to be. He was about half his weight. And then pretty quick, as we started getting good nutrients into him, that leg, he started to put more pressure on it. And then he'd take off running, and he would booger it up, and guess what he would have to do? He'd have to go back to a three-legged cat. We worked with him for months. Things started happening, though. Hair starts growing all over. Now the hair in his feet we can't see because proportionally he's got hair all over. He's starting to get good looking. He looks like a rock star. You know, male rock stars, they put on eyeliner. So did our cat. He's got eyeliner all around his eyes. I'm like, he's a rock star. 
couldn't believe this guy. You know what he started doing? He started living up to his name. You know what we named him? Sozo. Sozo is the Greek word for rescued and healed. This is important now. We named him Sozo because it stands for rescued and healed. This is what I need you to know. Why is Savior the one word that is good news of great joy for all people? Because Savior means the one who sozos you. Simply stated, Jesus rescues and Jesus heals. That's what he does. I want to be this bold with you this morning, and then I'm going to wrap up. I am absolutely convinced that the proud in this room will never have a good Christmas. Not the way God designed it. Not the way God designed it. The only way to enjoy Christmas the way God designed it is to get to the point where you recognize there's a little sozo that needs to be saved by the sozoer, the rescuer and the healer. Here's what I've learned. I've talked to people here recently in my life who have said, oh, Carl, I, I, I don't have a biblical understanding of Jesus. I think that there's a lot of that that's in the Word that just isn't true or it's kind of metaphorical. And here's what I want to tell you today. If you are too, let me be gentle, if you are not humble enough to recognize that you need rescuing and healing, Christmas will only be another holiday to you. It may be filled with eggnog. You may get lit up a little bit. You may have some great gifts. You may have some great food. There can be family coming over, but here's what I need you to know. The thing that makes Jesus unlike any other king in the world is he didn't come to be served but to serve. And this is what he wants to do in you. He wants to rescue you and heal you. This is tough. And I need to break it to you really simply this morning. I don't know how many of you in this room know the real Jesus. I know because I've read it to you before on multiple occasions. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, I never knew you. Why is that, Pastor Carl? Because it's one thing to call Jesus, Jesus. It's another thing to call him the sozoer, the Savior. He is my rescuer and my healer. I want to be really honest with you. Some look at my life in the early 20s before I knew Jesus as a mess. Something to be avoided. I've learned that the only way to live this life is positioned to be rescued by God and what I thought was a horrible thing in my life turned out to be the greatest gift ever. God humbled me to the point of realizing he needed to rescue me.
And you know, since that time, I'm kind of like our cat. I've been growing and growing and growing as the years go by, and now kind of the spiritual hair, as it were, is growing. I'm starting to look like God intended me. Uh, sometimes I run around too much, and I start working on that leg, and I go back to a three-legged spiritual Carl. But I'm telling you today, God wants to rescue you from your sin and your absence of the presence of God and heal you of the wounds, of the pain, of the spiritual car wrecks that you've been in for a lifetime. Then Christmas will mean everything. Close your eyes with me. All over here in this auditorium and you that are watching at home, you that are watching at home, hold on a second, guys. You that are watching at home, I want you to just take a moment here. So what I want you to do, I want you to ask yourself a very serious question. Have you let Jesus rescue you and heal you? Have you come to the point where you came to the end of yourself and you realize, oh my goodness. Maybe you've been Christian in name only. You don't really know Jesus. You don't know the power of what it is to see him transform your life. I mean change it, rescue it, and heal it. I want to be this bold with you this morning. If that's you, I want you to just look up at me right now. You've never before really surrendered to the rescuing and healing of Jesus. You know him because you're Christian in name only, but not in life transformation. If that's you, just look up at me and raise your hand and just say, that's me, Carl. That's me. Where are you? I'm looking here. Looking around. good it's awesome who else that's awesome man just gonna keep looking around it is a beautiful thing when you come to the point in time when you say Jesus I want you to be so real that you rescue me and heal me anyone else willing to say it bust through that barrier called pride and say it's me pastor carl just lift your hand up so i can see it wherever you are just me and you and god that's it who else right on that's another one that's very cool just gonna keep looking around here anyone else i want to pray with you right now father for these that hear in this auditorium and those at home or around the world I'm asking that we would have a holy moment right now that we are experiencing you not only being here but knocking on our heart's door and changing our life if you looked up at me and raised your hand or at home you raised your hand and you know that that is you and you're ready to give your life to Jesus fully 100% today I want you to pray with me and just tell him 
Jesus, I'm willing to confess to you that I need rescued. I don't want to be too proud for that. I'm willing to say to you today that I want you to heal me. I ask you to give me your life. I confess to you, just tell them this, I confess to you that I've missed the mark. My life hasn't always been on, but I want you working in me. For the first time ever, I say to you, God, forgive me, rescue me, and heal me. Father, for those that are just giving it up to you today for the first time ever in their life, make this, as you will, the best Christmas ever. Allow them to experience waves of your power and presence that just blows them away. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.